Yes, a very good evening, everyone. Afternoon, wherever you may be. Yeah, great to have you on board. How'd you get through the weekend? Of course, no AFL. The AFLW got underway. I must have been caught bits and pieces of it. Uh, I'll reserve my judgment. Uh, we'll discuss it a bit later on in the program. But of course, we've got the countdown. Four days to go and AFL finals for 2022 get underway. Brisbane against Richmond is the first port of call on Thursday. As we know, the Fremantle Dockers play the fourth final of the four this weekend when they take on the Western Bulldogs here on Saturday night. To preview some of the early week news and talk about a couple of the issues, our Monday man, Kim Hagdorn. Hey, Haggis. Hello, Peter. I hope you're okay and everybody else as well. And right now... I'm going for Richmond to beat Brisbane. I'm pretty confident with that one. I, oh, yeah? I, think, Brisbane, I think Brisbane are shot. I think they're gone. Uh, they've lost five of six finals in the past three seasons. Four of those losses have been at the Gabba. And I like the way Richmond have just timed their run. I think Richmond can really cause some grief coming from seventh. So I'm going to, right now, if I had the tip, I reckon Richmond, I'm not sure of Melbourne and Brisbane, uh, Sydney on, Saturday, on Friday night. Oh, that one, I reckon, really is a line ball. I think Sydney could just about do it. I'm not ready to tip there yet, Peter. I want to discuss it as the week unfolds. Geelong, Collingwood. I reckon Geelong, probably. But given what Collingwood have done, you couldn't be supremely confident. I reckon Collingwood will be about the place. And Geelong would want to be a long way in front before you ever started to think, I think they're safe. The, the Cats, they're going to play in the preliminary final. And Saturday night, right now... The way I look at it, and I've looked at teams as closely as I can, matchups, how Fremantle can play the Bulldogs, They've, the Bulldogs, how they're going to play Fremantle. The Bulldogs have to play a different game to what they did in round 21. If Fremantle adopt the same blueprint as they did in round 21 and happen to pull that off where they played that uncontested game, remember, we can go through it in more depth uh, today mm. and certainly on on Wednesday when we look at the games and actually make some tipping and we've actually seen the final stages of playing personnel availability. I think that's important. But Fremantle look like they've got a full bill of health. It looks like Lobb and Logue and Tabner are all ready to say, I'm ready to play. Tabner, I think, is the most unlikely of all of those three boys. And certainly Nathan Fife with his training session on Saturday. He's cherry ripe. And, and that's another discussion point as well, Peter. Nathan Fife has to play, even though he hasn't played much footy for the last one game, one full game of footy in the last seven weeks. Mm. But I think Fremantle at home, if they can pull off anything like they did in round 21, they should beat the Bulldogs. Okay, uh, you can get involved on the temperate bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. The CEO, the outgoing CEO of the AFL spoke today. Gillian McLaughlin, certainly excited with now the finals on our doorstep. To be back in Melbourne after three years um, uh, with with a couple of fantastic contests is amazing. Um, as I said before, I mean they're forecasting nearly 80 now for Friday night, sell out Saturday. So it's, I'm not just excited. I think uh, Melbourneians are excited. Yeah, and the other question that was posed to Gillian McLaughlin is why Geelong and Collingwood maybe weren't the Friday night blockbuster instead playing Saturday twilight. We've been playing on Saturday afternoon in the first week of the finals for 100 years. So you know, there's there's. Uh, there is that. So Geelong, Thursday, Friday, their request to be Saturday so their supporters can get there easily from Geelong and they finish top so that carries a lot of weight. And frankly, at 4.30, it's late in the day we can do it without we'll be able to get them back. You could, you know, the Perth game. 
So there you go. They, he's talking more about the Geelong fans who have been, over the years, reluctant to actually go up the highway to Melbourne and see Geelong games at the MCG. So no doubt they've taken that in consideration to make sure that the Cats fans have enough time to get up there and enough time at the conclusion of that game on a Saturday night to get back home because that's been one of the issues the AFL have openly spoken about, that the Cats supporters, not so much this year, but over the years, have been a bit reluctant to actually leave Sleepy Hollow. It was significant that he said there that uh, this was at Geelong's request. Mm. So Geelong, having finished on top, had that right. Now, they don't get the home final, clearly. uh, And in time to come, I suppose, once they've finished... Uh, that uh, the, the the stadium in Geelong, once that's completely finished and it goes to about 44,000 as an attendance potential, then they, they might justify playing finals. I don't know if you'd ever justify a top four uh, position, so first or second for a, for a first up final, but clearly something like, say, if you're fifth or sixth and you're playing an interstate team, mm. then they might play finals there. But um, I thought it was quite significant where he said there, this is a lot at Geelong's request because they want to get them up and then get them home in time. They might have been reluctant if it is by the time you got out of the MCG. Let's say if you went there for a Saturday night game at a, uh, what's say, about a 7.30, 20 to 8, 10 to 8 start. By the time you get there, get in, game finishes 10.30, 20 to 11, something like that. You get out, you shuffle your way out of, you get to trains or you get to your cars or you get to a, a tram and go to where you've parked your car, then get to Geelong. Well, that's yeah. that's a hike, isn't and it? And Friday night would have been a real problem for a lot of the uh, long travelling supporters, in and out of, or particularly into Melbourne. Well, it's, at, it's at also work day traffic. on Friday and peak hour traffic yeah. as well. So, as we we I, I can remember times we're going back when we were in Melbourne for footy, even even Friday night home and away games, it would be gridlocked around the yeah. city. You'd, you'd get into a cab and you'd say, "Mate, you're better off walking from here right up along the river over there. there there's the MCG lights up there, mate, because I'm not moving." So. You know those problems. One thing about Geelong fans, they are pretty adept at finals. This is the 16th top four, 17th top four finish that they've had since we've been in the AFL, Peter, since since the AFL of 1987 onwards. 17 times they've finished in the in the top four and, uh, and they've played more finals than anyone else, Geelong. So they're all about, they know what finals are about. And I think they'll want to see them this year because we've been saying it for weeks and I think I, I'm not seeing anything new into the finals that doesn't suggest Geelong can win this. And you look at uh, the buyer's been good to them, and we'll talk about that. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Cameron with his hamstring looks like being okay. Reece Stanley, that adductor, looks like he'll be okay. Of course, uh, the Perth boy, Mitch Duncan, who had that hip complaint. Cam Guthrie, who got that shoulder, of course, in the final home and away game. And Sam Menangola, who was managed. They're all available, uh, according to Tommy Hawkins, who did a presser today, to maybe be available for the game on Saturday. That's a, a great amount of talent that is up for selection. For the Cats. Well, and also other players like Colin Jasney, who was, uh, had the concussion against West Coast. I think he, he, you would expect, given the bye weekend, had the bye, had, had they played this weekend just gone, Colin Jasney injured in round 23, probably not available or able to play. But the other thing too, Peter, that's really quite significant and, and I find fascinating in trying to look at Geelong and their strength. I mean, they're, they're probably at full strength. Mm. They're probably at full strength at what's available to them. If they, they wanted to pick their best 22 and then thought, who's 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, they'd have their best 27 available. And because they, of the management program, that's been really impressive. And again, another re, another question on why why the heck, how can Geelong keep... I know they've got a great home ground advantage. I mean, they've won 
I think it's about, uh, I'd have to have a quick look, but it's about 120 out of their last 135-odd games at Geelong. And it's amazing home ground record. However, their management of their entire organisation, particularly their playing list and their coaching staff and their medical staff, all seem to get things together. The management program in the last six weeks that's been fascinating, Dangerfield, Selwood, Duncan, Stanley, Henry, Tui, all had rest games. Managola, all had rest games. In the last five or six weeks to help freshen them up, Selwood's been playing off the bench only about 60% of games. He's starting every quarter, every match, every quarter on the bench. Their, their whole management program has got Geelong Cherry ripe to really have a big red-hot go at this. We'll talk uh, a bit about West Coast. Naturally, their season was over. The John Worsfold medal happened on uh, Friday night. Congratulations to Tom Barris. We'll come back to it in the moment. And also, Frio, how they're preparing for their big one on Saturday night. So don't go too far away. Uh, we'll discuss that. But Dustin Martin looks like he's on track for return for Richmond, which is a huge boost to their chances you've already sort of gone early and feel that the Tigers will oh, yeah. beat the Lions yeah. at the Gabba on Thursday night but that is a big inclusion of course he hasn't played since uh, hitting that or straining that hamstring against the Eagles in round 16. Yeah so it's eight weeks since he's played he's only played eight games in the whole season he played round one then missed six or seven weeks then played a, played four or five and then and then came back mid-season and then of course broke down as you say so he hasn't played uh, he's missed the last seven games. The, the other one, too, with Richmond, Peter, is uh, not only is Dustin Martin looking like Cherry Ripe, you see any vision of him training. There was a big training session on Saturday. It was was really impressive to see Fremantle's training impre- training uh, performance on Saturday. It was high, highly physical. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a softly, softly little, let's just get through, let's uh, keep everyone fresh and healthy. They really worked people over. Now, Richmond have done that in the past, and certainly Melbourne last year. There was a, I know a lot of um, uh, analysts were quite surprised at just how physical and heavy and contact training for Melbourne was last year when they were here in Perth, of course, leading up to that historic grand final. And the comparison was, well, West Coast never trained like that. And yet Melbourne have trained like that four days from a grand final because the feeling was we've got to be tough and hard and got to be ready, got to test anyone that's suspect. Yet I've had analysts say, your, your blokes over there, West Coast, never train like that. We've had our scouts go to watch them train. They never train with great intensity. When we're saying never, certainly in the last season and a half to two years, as we've grown to be quite more concerned about where West Coast are at in terms of their man- management. So Richmond get Martin back. See, Tom Lynch is back available as well. Mm. So he goes into that side. I don't think there's any doubt on him with his groin. The only one that Richmond would probably be Noah Cumberland with a bit of a groin. He, he's one that we need to watch over the neck. Now, this was a training incident last week, Peter, too. So it's not as if it's a game day, you know, a week and a half ago. So Noah Cumberland, an exciting youngster, but certainly with Lynch and Martin back into that team. And on the other side of things, Marcus Adams effectively ruled out, I think, as well. Concuss- there must have been a bad concussion yeah. that he's had. He's not going to play. Cam Rayner's suspended. And Dane Zorko, I wonder how he'll come back out of the, the sledging furor. Clearly, it's not going to affect his teammates. They can just ignore that and get on with the game and know he's a hardened little nut. But their poor finals record and their big game record is is alarming, and opposition sides will play on that. So rest assured there'll be some sledging going on from the Richmond boys about how you blokes choke. You blokes choke. You might be at your home ground. And the other one, of course, is, is, um, is their finals record. And I reckon another major concern in big games... And going into a final like this, it is a massive game for someone like Joe Danaher. And, and I reckon his performances in the last, say, 10 weeks of the season, he's t- kicked 10 goals in the last six games, but 10 disposals a game. I reckon he's in such concerning form 
that the Richmond board, the defence in particular. No, even though there's no Dylan Grimes, he's probably not going to play finals. He'll become a final story if Richmond do continue to run on, I reckon, um, because he'll he'll become available, he'll get back into full training. He's still two or three weeks away. Mm. That means they have to go deep into it. But I reckon the concern on Joe Danaher is something also that is telling against Brisbane's chances of beating Richmond. Okay, uh, we're going to go to Lisa in just a moment. But uh, Paul has got on the temper of bedshed text life. Geelong win uh, their way through to the preliminary final. Do you think the AFL will play the game on Saturday afternoon? so the Geelong supporters can get home in a reasonable hour. Well, maybe the blueprint is this weekend, possibly. But when there's a preliminary final, there'll be one on Friday night. And yeah, one Saturday. one Saturday night. Well, would it they, be... They, would they, it, might, they might push might it a bit earlier. Might be still with twilight. Yeah, yeah, they might push it a bit earlier. Good on you, Paul. Of course, yeah, you can join us on the Temper of Bedshed text line anytime you like, 0487 736 736. What did you think of the buy? We've seen the buy again. And we look, this, this is the first time back, 222... After 21 here in Perth, you know, the concerns of COVID really rampant. 2020, mm. COVID was rampant. They needed to have buys and sort of stretch and shortened seasons. So we, we're sort of back somewhat to how we have always known it. I, I think there's I, I think there's a bit of a distaste around about this buy after the home and away. But I, when you look at some of the names we've just dropped, Peter... Would they? Would these boys have played? Would Lynch have been right to play last week or this weekend? Just gone. Would Dustin Martin have been available to play this weekend? Tom Papley with his concussion couldn't have played for yeah. Sydney. So there's there's so much for it, isn't there? The buy. I, I reckon the buy is going to stay because of one reason that we saw this weekend: the exposure that the AFLW got, and the AFL be very conscious of the fact if this season works for them. They won't change the model. They'll start again in August and they'll start again when the AFL buy is happening so they can get a bit of a profile. Because I reckon the profile... You, you, you've said that with a degree of cynicism. Well, the, the interest will wane but now. No, the interest in the AFLW will wane now. Well, you, I just... I'll so come back to that in a yeah, moment. you're tiptoeing around yeah, this. Yeah, and you, hey, hang on. We've discussed this before we went on here. You've got oh. the same thoughts as me. <laughs> no. Hi, guys. Spotted Kevin Sheedy Friday morning going for a coffee at Cafe in Como. That's Harry of Balcatta. I don't know yeah, why Kevin Sheedy's here. He was in Perth. He, Getting he's, a few cashies. He comes cashies. to Perth all the time. There's a little fella, there's a little mouse <laughs> running around in South Perth called Daryl Marin yeah. that looks after Kevin Sheedy. Yeah. Mate, they, they do, what do you call the cashies? They do yeah. these sportsman's nights everywhere. Hello, Lise. Uh, how are you? Good, thanks. Hi, Peter. Hi, Kim. Good day, Lisa. Um, another, I tell you what, boys, another rule that's not going to go out the window either is that nominating a ruckman during the game. That's well, it not, should. That's not going to disappear any time soon. No, no, I'm not sure, Dag, no. but it's, it's not going to because I um, um, put that to, um, uh, oh, God, Gosson and... Um, and Scotty. Last and Scotty. No, it wasn't uh, Scotty. It, it was... Gilly. It was... Um, Doesn't matter, Lisa. Doesn't matter. Gilly. Yeah, Gilly. Yeah. yeah. And um, anyway, they had the uh, the ump on, and I put that question to them, and the umpire, oof, he went off. Uh, D my gets. So, yeah, D my gets. Yeah, no, 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 it's got to stay because someone could get oh, hit just, in the back of the head and da 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 da. Dean Margetts is Any, a past umpire, so we, 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 let, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's talk to someone of the future. The ruck nomination yeah, okay. is ludicrous, and it has to, it, it has to go because it's like it's like under fourteens. It's yeah, like exactly. under four And um, as long as two go up, one from each side, that's enough. You shouldn't have to nominate. It, yeah. Anyway, we know that. Yeah, guys, I've got a couple of um, bits of um, interest for you mm-hmm. um, that's bubbling around. And also, too, I want to get on to the um, Eagles waffle game just quickly, too. Um, I'm hearing um, that Luke Jackson 
was seen on the weekend in the suburb of Hampton, which is a part of Brighton apparently, looking at a cafe, um, a business. And also, too, there's word that he's, he's um, gone out and he's enrolled in a barrister course. A barista course, sorry, not a barrister course, a barista course. <laughs> right. So you're saying he might even so stay he, in Melbourne? Uh, yeah, well, that, that's what the word is bubbling around. So wow. that, yeah, could and be he on bought the that, he he bought that home years. in Shelley as well. So we'll have to wait and see, Lise. What else? What about the Eagles waffle side, Lise? Um, well, they had 14 plays in their um, guys, and only three of them were in the best. They didn't score a goal until the last quarter. Three goals, 14 for the whole game. Yeah. And these, the, some of these players are, you know, are out there playing for a contract. I wouldn't get, give any of them a contract the way they played on the weekend. Mm. So it's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. They, they, you know, they're, they're really going to have to have a good hard look. Yeah. Um, you know the the coaches and, and everybody else at that um, club. We're, so we're going to talk more about uh, yeah. We're going to talk more about that and the Eagles uh, as general a bit later on. Anything else before you, we let you which go? Yeah, we stay, yeah, stay listening, least because it, it is somewhat of a little bit of a spin off to just whet the appetite a bit from that reserves game waffle game on the weekend. The news I've got relating to a player, yeah. and subsequently it has a bit to do with the Jackson move as well. Okay, so stay listening. And before we let you go, Lise, because we need to go to a break, unfortunately, you want to talk about uh, the red-yellow cards? Yeah, well, we, we went down to Collie yesterday. We had a, um, or my other half had a, a Collie Saints um, reunion, mm-hmm. and they had a game on between Collie Eagles, which they were just as bad as the Eagles, <laughs> and Harvey, and two players um, got sent off with a yellow card, one, one from each team, and um, they got sent out for 15 minutes. But, uh, but they were allowed to um, put other players on while those, those two were sitting off. And apparently with the red, if they get red carded, they get sent off and they've got to stay off. They don't come back on the ground, but another player can replace them. Is that, is that what's going to happen in the AFL if they bring that in? Oh, I, I, I don't reckon we'll ever see a card system or a send-off or sin bin in the AFL. I, I know we debated this and discussed it roundly when Tom Stewart had uh, crashed into and taken out Dion Prestia and the, the value of send-off and sin bins. I, I just get the impression if it... There's reason for it, and you can see the... I mean, that particular one, Tom Stewart finished up you know, one of the better players on the ground for Geelong, as he often is. And Prestia was out for a couple of weeks, and he was really badly injured. Um, I, I don't think we'll ever see red or yellow cards. Mm. And if you did, the only thing I say, even in country footy or community level, uh, Lisa, I'm surprised that if you get sent off, that you're allowed to replace because other codes, when you get sent out, you play you a man down. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I think if you're going to have them, you might as well have to play a man down, which would be more of a deterrent, I would have thought, Correct. to committing an offence that you're going to get your send off or sin bin. Good on you, Lisa. We need to move on, but we always appreciate your feedback. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, it's 19 past five. This is Drive with Peter Vlaas and Kim Hagdorn. It's the AFL edition on a Monday. Thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlaas. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, hi everyone. I must admit, before we continue, I went and saw a good game of footy yesterday. It was an under-14s second semi-final uh, between Mount Lawley Inglewood Junior Football Club, which is, by the way, the junior footy club that I played, the Blue and Whites. 
uh, the great blue and whites. Uh, a lot more success these days than they when I was playing. And they were playing Manning Rippers uh, there at Ernest Johnson Oval. Good ground. In Perth. In, yeah, yeah, which is a good cricket ground, actually. Just, just I the, think the, uh, the umpires trained there. The, yes, the waffle do. umpires yep. used to train. Anyway. The John McGrath Pavilion. Is that what it is? The John McGrath Pavilion? Remember John McGrath, the yeah, football reporter, yeah, yeah, racing yeah, writer, yeah, West yeah. Australian uh, sports editor for a long time as well. John McGrath, and then he was the Liberal member. That's for right, South for Earth. South Perth. The the John South... McGrath stand, uh, Pavilion, it is. It's at the South Perth Civic Centre there. Yeah. Anyway, part of the car, saw the footy. My brother was there, my middle brother. And anyway, it was a really good game of footy. Thoroughly enjoyed it. The boys played it really well. Anyway... We come at three-quarter time because we're used to going to the waffle and strolling out to see what the coaches have to say to the players. I said, ah, let's go, mate. Let's go have a listen to see what the coaches have to say. Mm. And someone said to me, no, you're not allowed. There's no parents no. allowed on the ground to re- go to the huddle I, I to reckon, listen to what the coaches has to say. I reckon that's the Vlahos rule. It's no. not just a general rule. No. They've looked I and they've seen. We're not thought- having the Vlahos boys at the Mount Lawley Inglewood <laughs> huddle because we know what these Laos boys can get up to. They, I'm they... Se- no, I'm serious, Hex. And also, where the players, where the interchange players sit, yep. it's all roped off. Yeah. You can't get closer within about 10 metres. What? The Which is th- understandable, but why couldn't we go out to the huddle to see what the coach had to say to the boys? It's it, it's got it's got to have the potential to drive people away, doesn't it? I mean, if that's your pathway to development. Imagine if some parents then at the end of the season they're thinking twice about it. the young player, whether it's a male or female, is thinking, "Oh, should I play again?" No. Well, it was a pain in the backside. We weren't allowed to do this. There were too many restrictions. The footy commission in WA is driving people away from the game. There's got to be some potential in that I might because actually that's going get, a bit too far. I might get someone up from the commission tomorrow, Jimmy. Let's try and get someone from Let the me, commission to talk about junior let footy. Me, let me. Pre- because I've had two experiences then. I thought, gee, it's changed a lot. No one will come on to talk about that. Why? Because I reckon WA, from WA Football Commission downwards, so Waffle, Country, Juniors, Pathways, Women, unless you're going to talk positively about it, they won't want to interview with you, Peter. But there is a they, reason. They've encouraged, the commission has encouraged the supporters to go out onto the Waffle ground to feel part of it, take the kids on the ground for a kick. Yeah. You can't do that at junior footy. I can't believe it. Well, it's guarding against abuse, I'd say. And I say this now seriously yeah. and, and not, not to, you know, comically having a crack at you for a bit of fun. Um, there would have to have been incidents, and I say incidents plural, numerous probably over years, to come to that regulation to keep parents away from huddles uh, because they, it'd be a prevention. Let's not let these things happen again. I, I, so there'd have to be a reason for that. They must have had occasions when parents have become abusive or had too much to say or interfered with the coach, coach. by going to their particular player or some of the kids mm. say, you're not playing well today, Peter. Oh, hang on. So he's upset. There'd have to be reasons that they've, that they've pulled that regulation. No anyway, question. Let's I move on. I don't reckon anyone come on. Try okay. it. See how you go. I'll see how I go tomorrow. Okay, Jimmy, we'll see how we go. My producer there. Uh, Mike, uh, hi, Pete and Haggers. Does Jai Amos get a call up this week to go forward? For, for Fremantle, then. So, Jai Amos yeah. on the Fremantle list. Good East Perth boy. Um, yes. I would say, just bluntly, no. Because you've got Lobb, who's gone through, you know, injury recovery. He would have done rehab hour after hour over the last fortnight to re- to recover after, you know, I think I think tiptoeing his way, carrying his arm through. He's right. Tabner is close. I reckon Tabner might just fall short. I'm only guessing. We're going to watch it as it develops through the week. They've got to Saturday. Mm-hmm. If it was this Friday, Thursday, for instance, if, say, Fremantle and Bulldogs were the first game of the finals, you'd think, nah, Tabner won't get up. He's not quite right. But Tabner close. Lob, yes. Logue, yes. Fife, yes. They're all potential forwards. Fife's not going to play much on the ball. 
Um, so I'd say no to Amos. I don't think he's played enough footy. I don't think his performance with the Peel team the other day was that meritorious. Mm. Zane Sumich was one of West Coast's few better players, and he outplayed Amos and Treacy, two AFL-listed players and of recent times. So young Zane Sumich was the be- one of West Coast's best players and outplayed. So I'd say no, but more so because the other boys are available. And he's, he's just too raw, Joe Amos. Yeah. Just too raw. And coming off that, what was it, a kidney injury? Wasn't yeah, it? it was quite yeah, serious. No, no I, I would say I'd put uh, him in Mike, cotton wool and leave him till next year. No, he's year. still playing with Peel. And, know, and they've, but... got, they've got elimination final this week as it is. Peel they play Swan sitting districts. fifth. Swans who beat West Perth. If Swans had lost... When was that game? Yesterday, I think, wasn't it? No, uh, Saturday. Saturday. Um, had Swans lost that one, they were behind by a couple of goals into the last quarter, won by a couple of goals. Outstanding performance come from behind in a low-scoring game, tight. So it keeps the finals alive. So Peel, Amos has got to play for Peel, I'd say, uh, on Sunday. It is against Swan Districts, and that's it's a, it starts the Waffle Finals because the winner's going to finish fifth. Correct. So it'll be a big game this week. Now... Let's just go back to Friday night. Tom Barris, of course, no surprise, uh, picked off uh, the John Worsfold medal. Thank you, everyone. Um, I must admit, I'm truly shocked to be addressing you with this medal around my neck. Um, But I've got a few people that I need to thank, and I've been up here before and made a meal of it, so you might have to bear with me. To the rest of my family and my friends, it's sort of hard to separate them sometimes, but it includes my sister, my brother my cousin Nick, Das, all the boys, because they truly do make up who you are. And it's part of the reason and why I'm so appreciative to be in this environment, because there are some of the most world-class people that work for this footy club and that belong to this footy club. And it has been my absolute pleasure um, to be a part of it. And it is my absolute honour to be addressing you um, with this medal around my neck. So there you go. He led it, of course. Uh, and what was interesting, Hags, as we go to the break, uh, is that the top eight were all experienced players, uh, weren't they? Shannon Hearn second. I think uh, I'm just going off Mary Kelly yeah, no, was there. Uh, Darling. Darling fourth. Duggan, Liam Duggan fifth. And then Jack Redden sixth, Luke Shuey seventh, and Jamie Cripps eighth. Now, we had the top six, mm. except Liam Duggan uh, I had him as sixth and he finished fifth. I thought uh, Jack Redden would finish in the top five because of the sort of, sort of season that Jack Redden had, it was staggering some of the statistics you went through when you looked at West Coast Eagles year. To think that Jack Redden, who should have seriously considered retirement or seriously been told to retire by someone with strong authority at the club, played 21 games and he was their leading possession winner, sitting out on wing, sitting out at loose at a halfback flank, very cunningly, very cleverly getting posi- number one possession winner for the season for West Coast was Jack Redden. This number two possession winner for the season was Shannon Hearn. Uh, it was just staggering that the better players were the old blokes. Yeah. Some of them should have been considering and retirement. And they'll be going around next year. And the ball, therefore, was in their area far too much. But we did have the top, uh, the top six and we suspected that's how it would go. And then for, for Tom Brass to say, I'm shocked to be here, he was about the only decent <laughs> player through the whole season. He shouldn't have been shocked. He was the only yeah. serious contender to win that first and best. It's just crazy. Uh, and the fact that uh, they had so many AFL-listed players playing on the weekend and they didn't kick a goal in the first You're talking about the quarters. waffle now. I'm talking about the waffle. Um, what, what, 
pretty ordinary for them to have to go to that function and then play footy on the but Saturday next, afternoon when when they're all the other blokes, the blokes that have finished the AFL season, sitting up in the stands drinking grog. Yeah, they're crazy. We're going to take a break, come back with more in a moment. And Nev's got an opinion on uh, maybe the huddle that I brought up uh, that's non-existent these days, a three-quarter time huddle to hear the coach and uh, maybe support the players. Doesn't happen in junior footy anymore. Nev's got an opinion on that. It's 29 to 6 here on Drive, and it's all brought to you thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, come and join us anytime on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Come on, jump on board or the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. Now, Lisa did that and she got me thinking about Luke Jackson supposedly having a look at a cafe near Brighton in Melbourne, which is on the bay there, and getting a course to become a barista. Now, we've heard about him sort of investing in a million-dollar house in Shelley. So he hasn't made a decision yet. You mentioned the last couple of weeks that a bit of interest has come from the West Coast Eagles because the West Coast Eagles certainly could satisfy the Melbourne Footy Club when it comes to draft picks and maybe they're going to make a play for him as well in a serious play, which might jeopardise the chances of Fremantle getting him hags. Saying that, is there still, even though a lot of people think that he's uh, across the line, hence why Frio want to offload a few of these players now Mm, to mm. give them a bit of room to move, is there a chance that this could all go pear shape for Freo. Yeah, every 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 strong chance because so what's Luke changed Jackson, from where we were two or three well, weeks well, what's ago? Changed, well, one what's changed is that West Coast, as we said last Thursday, have Are increased. Making a play. Well, they made more than a play. They've made their play. They've laid their foundation. They put their offer on the table. They've increased it in recent weeks by two hundred grand a year, and Fremantle are very concerned at where they're at in terms of now competing for they for the for the price. Mm-hmm. It's going up. For Luke Jackson, but more importantly for Fremantle is their concern about the the implications and the ramifications of moving on these players. Lobs going, Lobs got his yeah. deal, four year deal at the Bulldogs. Blake Akers is going. Blake Akers has had his offer at Fremantle was two hundred thousand dollars for next year, three hundred thousand dollars for the year after. Wow, so half a million bucks. Okay, now the AFL average. Wage is three hundred and seventy grand. He's having a career best season. At mid season, he was talked about as being an all potential all Australian winger. Winger. So Blake Akers now is been offered three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year for three years. So that's over a million bucks to go to Carlton. There's also North Melbourne with a similar offer. So Blake Akers is one who's heading out. So also the likes of Griffin Logue, his offer at Fremantle is way short of what he's being offered at the likes of Sydney and North Melbourne and other Melbourne-based clubs. So Fremantle are in a position where they've made the moves thinking we've got Jackson. Luke Jackson has committed to us. He's coming to Fremantle. Here's our deal. But they still have to work it so that they can get the draft picks because Fremantle's first pick in the draft is pick number 14. Melbourne aren't going to say, yeah, okay, Luke, you go home for pick number 14. That's not going to happen. Mm. We picked you at pick number three three years ago, and we reckon you're now going to be a superstar player. So Fremantle have to work so they get get rid of Lob. Now, if Lob goes to the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs' first pick is at pick 29. So would that be enough for Luke Jackson to then just go give, say, pick 14 and 29 for no. Luke Jackson? No, it's not. So they've got to move Blake Akers as well. Second-round pick maybe from Carlton, pick 28. So 28 and 29 plus Fremantle's pick, is pick 14, is that enough? 
Is that enough for Luke Jackson? I would still say no. Mm. So they've got to continue to work. Luke Griffin, Logue, let's say if he went to Sydney, for instance. Now Sydney are a very strong suitor because they're looking at, say, a Dane Rampey somewhere into the near future. Or if Paddy McCartan didn't stand up as, he ha- as well as he has done, Griffin Logue could be that attacking, creative, intercepting defender. So they've got picks at 16 and 17. Would they give one of them up, 16 or 17, for Griffin Logue? So if Fremantle had 16, or let's say 17, 28, 29, plus their own 14, then they're starting to get somewhere to where they could package them up somewhere and trade them off or give them all to Melbourne. Now, Melbourne's first pick is at 35. They're not in the first two rounds from, from the dealings they've done in recent seasons with the likes of Stephen May, etc. So Melbourne's first pick is at 35. Uh, they could well win the flag this year and make it two in a row. They're certainly going to contend for the most of September. But... Then they've got to look at Luke Jackson. If all else, if this all falls over and Luke Jackson says, I don't want to go to West Coast, which is the indication, it's my indication that as much as his offer's been increased from West Coast, West Coast is still confident that they'll at least bargain for Luke Jackson, mm-hmm. which is complicating Fremantle's confidence that they have him locked away. And they've already committed to losing Loeb, Akers, probably Logue, and certainly delist several other players to make room in the salary cap and could try and get drafted. So where is in. Melbourne's offer compared to Fremantle's offer from a financial perspective for Jackson? West Coast offer? No, Melbourne. If Melbourne... Oh, no, Melbourne's is well short of everybody. So, Melbourne's is about so, 700 grand so a year Luke, for you'd five think, years. You think financially Luke yeah. would be better to move on financially. But the big question that you're saying is whether Frio can satisfy Melbourne and get the deal done. Exactly. And that's where West Coast is sitting back a little bit smug, a little bit confident that we will at least cause Fremantle a lot of grief in trying to get Luke Jackson or do we finish up with Luke Jackson? Mm. Now, as an aside to all that, I said I had a little bit of a a teaser a little while ago, Peter. West Coast are tipped to now turn full attention to attracting Fremantle big man Lloyd Meek. Now, Meek, he's 24. He's only played the 15 games as he's been around for four seasons now as the backup ruckman to, to Sean Darcy and Rory Lobb is the pinch hitter. So he, he's turned his ruck work talents well and truly on on Saturday. He demolished West Propel, Coast. Yeah. yeah, West Coast Bailey, Bailey Williams. Bailey Williams is supposed to be the backup ruckman to Nick Natanui. There's still no guarantee that Nick Natanui is going to come back next year. He's got surgery. He's got to do a summer training. He's got to lose a dozen to 15 kilos, and even if he's okay for next season. Big Nick Natanui cannot possibly play a full season. Mm. So West Coast, and my understanding is that the, the the coaching and football management hierarchy were very attentive. They were at Peel on Saturday down in Mandra, watched the game, very impressed with Lloyd Meek, and I think you watch for the Lloyd Meek attention from West Coast to, to grow now. An offer to Lloyd Meek to get him across as possibly even your lead ruckman and Natanui and Bailey Williams to back up a Lloyd Meek. That's probably going a bit far because you, you, I'm assuming that Nick doesn't come up. He'll come up in some way, but West Coast, as I understand it now, really, really hot into the endeavours to get Lloyd Meek. So it's another one wow. who would move from Fremantle and an, another piece of ramification for bringing in Luke Jackson. Okay, uh, Haggins, just before we go to a break, Nev of Albany. Hi, Nev. Uh, thanks for the text on the bedshed text line 0487 736 736. It's regarding uh, what I mentioned earlier, regarding junior footy uh, and not being able to go and uh, listen to what the coach says and the huddle like we do in the WAFL. It's not permitted at junior footy. It's because 
the one or two idiot parents who abuse coaches, one-offs. So we penalise everyone for one-off, two Muppets. That's bad policy. I was a junior development coach for Australian Sports Commission. We have reactionary policy these days. It's stupid. That's Nev from Albany. So that's where it is, uh, protecting It is all pretty reactionary. That, that, that it is very it reactionary. Mm. It is very – and in the end, when I looked at the environment yesterday, it was a real good game of footy. It was close. The parents were very respectful of each other's yeah, supporter base. There yep. was no dramas. So it wasn't as if it was two teams that were hammer and tong and they wanted each other's blood. It was a – mate, I'm also surprised just how hard these young boys go. Mm. It is good footy to watch. But if you're allowed to do it at the waffle, you're not allowed to do it at junior footy, particularly in the older brackets, the 14s, 15s and 16s. Maybe I can understand maybe in the uh, real younger brigade, but uh, I think... Uh, I, I think Nev's probably given us a tip off there. Is that if he, and if Nev's been involved in, in yeah. sports commission, so management, development coach, uh, he would have seen some of these sorts of um, yeah. anyway a- actions, I suppose. And you, you must draw some kind of a barrier. But as, as Nev says there, Peter... It's because of one or two mm. that everyone's going to suffer. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Come and join us on the uh, Temper of Bedshed text line. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Agdon, 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13-12-55. Yes, uh, we're talking a bit of cricket here <laughs> as well. I mean, Cam Green's five for all five caught on the boundary. Yeah, well, Cam Green got five. It's, 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 it's this white ball cricket. I mean... The blokes get smacked. It, it's just slightly mishit. Five different times he takes five for 40. Yeah, and here he is. I think he just had a really clear game plan. Um, I wouldn't say anything changed from the previous games. I think it's kind of um, just got a bit lucky at the end there. Um, it was just at the right place at the right time. Um, just trying to bowl back of the length on a, on a wicket that was kind of going up and down. So um, didn't really have to change what I was doing too much. And um, I was lucky the one who got the rewards. But um, I think the, the rest of the team bowled really well and um, basically gave me the opportunity to be in that position. All five caught on well, the boundary. There you go. All he summed five. it. He summed All it up, five. didn't I he, was, Cam I was lucky enough. And the likes of particularly, uh, I mean, Hazelwood, Josh Hazelwood and and and, and Mitchie Marsh, Cameron, uh, Mitch Stark, you know, they, they bowled superbly. Uh, Cam just came on and just, just dropped it a bit short. They were trying to hit him out of the park and they couldn't. They, <laughs> five catches on the boundary. Uh, hello, Rhonda. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, hey Hagers. Hi Rhonda. Hey, um, hey Pete. Um, yeah, it's been a while, Hagers, eh? Um, yeah. Since, uh, since the old morning days, uh, morning breakfast days. Oh hey, um, really? You go back those days and now you listen to Hags on yeah. SEN. Good on you, Rhonda. Yeah, it's pretty hey, cool, man. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for following us. Thank, yeah, thanks for joining us. This is the first time you've yeah. called though. I've been here all winter. Yeah, I know. I just <laughs> wanted to um, let you guys have a bit of a run first. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the footy season's over now that West Coast are out of it, so I oh, want to talk cricket. So. Oh. Actually, I reckon one thing I will say, Rhonda, we, we have to do some digging, we, and I think we'll have to keep digging day after day if we want to know what's going on at West Coast because I, I think this next sort of few weeks to a month leading into the into trading and then the draft and then also restaffing what's needed, I think it's a it's just about the most important couple of months that West Coast have faced for thirty years. Mm. Anyway, Rhonda's rung up about the BBL draft, Rhonda, have you? <laughs> yeah, I have actually. But yeah, I'll talk about West Coast no, but the BBL draft, I'll stay yeah. I'll stay on track. Um hey look, I, I had I caught the BBL draft yes last night and I thought how brave it was of our Scorchers guys to pass for the premium players and I know why they did it now. 
because this morning they announced that Graham, Cam Graham had signed for us yeah. and uh, yeah. homegrown boy. Yeah. Probably, in my opinion, worth as much or more than all the premium players there anyway. And, um, of course, we wanted, um, you know, we wanted our gold players to return. To return. So I just thought, uh, hats off to Adam Voges and the team at the Scorchers. I thought it was a master class in uh, strategy and uh, retaining at least two of the players that we wanted yeah. and also signing our young Cam Green again. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to the season. I know, Hangers, I don't, I don't know that you would... I know you like the test cricket and not the white ball cricket, Haggis, but, um, yeah, uh, I'm excited anyway. Test no, and 2020, it's my game. Yeah, <laughs> look, and that's understandable. But, no, and I'm, I'm a bit more of a traditionalist and I love the red ball game, Whether no matter what standard it is, mm. but the red ball, it's a different type of game. Um, but I, clearly, the 2020 especially, I mean, it's here to stay and it's the cash cow. I mean, the, the, the Scorchers as a successful franchise, I mean, if they're appealing, we go back to... Now we're back into sort of post-COVID um, sort of operations. I hope in all sports and in, mm. in, in general life, it, we, we seem to have gotten through a lot of it. So we can go back to if the Scorchers are as appealing as they have been as we went to the stadium for the first year or two and they get 40-odd thousand. If this BBL revives and you get forty or 50,000 at Stars game at the MCG, they're the cash cow for... Australian development and pathways cricket. So your state programs will stay strong. Your clubs programs, you'll have under-19s carnivals back, all those. The, the, it's a cash cow. So I can see the value of it. And I, and I do, I don't mind the type of cricket when it's when it's quite strategised. Um, but I, you know, you're still not going to uh, uh, mm. outdo me for the test match stuff. And you watch Jimmy Anderson bowl against South Africa and Stuart Broad bowl against South Africa. And then you think, they're just such good bowlers in England conditions. The test series next year, Australia and England for the Ashes, promises to be you know, exceptional. But with the quickly with the BBL draft, I would suggest another reason why the Scorchers boys didn't go for any of those big names, Peter, that were up in as platinum attractions or, or draftees, one salary cap, and most importantly, that though all those big names, Duplessis yeah, and the Russell. Duplessis, Russell, Bravo, Kieran Pollard, of course, Jason Roy, the England uh, batsman. None of them can guarantee being there for the whole tournament. That's where I thought the whole of the BBL draft, and let's stay with the Scorchers for Ronda's sake, are to be respectful. They didn't take them as a bit of a circus act for a handful of games they took a Cameron Green. Now, even Cameron Green won't be available for the Scorchers' entire series because he'll be playing Test cricket. Mm. He'll be playing a little bit of One Day International. But Cricket Australia have made sure that there is a back end of the BBL this year where nearly all of Australia's top players will be available, and that's where they'll get Cam Green. So, therefore, hopefully for finals. Good on you, Rondo. Well, thanks for finding us, and thanks for giving the program a call. We appreciate it. Where is guys? Get oh, on sorry, your Ronda Ronda or talk, talk again soon. <laughs> Give us a call again on the uh, open line, 13 12 55. Haggis, we'll be gone. Uh, Thursday night, there'll be no drive because uh, we're, of course, broadcasting the first of the finals between Brisbane and Richmond. You want to come in on Wednesday night? Just come okay. in Wednesday yeah, night. We'll yeah, we'll go through all the come games. Come in Wednesday night between five and six. Go through the matchups. And you'll have all the uh, latest news win? as well. <laughs> <laughs> Good on your hags. Okay. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Lee. I'll be back again tomorrow at five. And we'll try and get somebody on from the WA Footy Commission uh, to talk about junior football. And that's certainly the experience I had yesterday. We'll see how we go. Come and join us. Five o'clock tomorrow right here on SENWA. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre.